0: The Sean Quinn Show on ESPN Radio, featuring everything Savannah State. Now here's your host, Christian Gokel. Welcome into the Sean Quinn Show right here on ESPN Radio. Savannah, Christian Gokel, alongside the head football coach of the Savannah State Tigers, Sean Quinn. Coach, we appreciate you hopping on with us this afternoon. Man, got so much to dive into, and always good to do these following a big win.
1: Definitely. Glad to have a victory and glad to be another week, another opportunity and and was able to get that one. And now we're on to the next one. Uh, As they say, you know, on to Cincinnati, we're on to Kentucky (laughs) state, but uh, good to get a win. And anytime you win, those are precious and you enjoy them and and you keep on trucking.
0: Well, you get a big 29 to 10 win there over Morehouse, a team that you kind of call the standard bearer uh, for the conference, just as an institution as a whole. But I did want to ask you about that real quick because you kind of mentioned it. How long after a win, before you start prepping for the next game or is there even a break
1: uh, I you know I try mentally to when the game ends you know we've unfortunately had all night games so I've been able to enjoy it but when I go to bed Saturday night that's the end of it and Sunday morning you're on to the next thing but you try to take a few hours to not get too far ahead enjoy it because you work really hard and the kids work hard and it takes a lot just to win a game and so you want to find some time to enjoy it but uh, I, I would say most coaches are on to the next guy the next morning that's how I am and your next morning you're trying to figure out what you can do better and correct and keep rolling but uh, Saturday night's probably the funnest night of the week after win because for those couple hours you can kind of take a breath smile have a cold coca-cola um, and just kind of enjoy the victory for a few minutes and You know, I go to Coach's Corner or somewhere in town here and and have something good to eat and just kind of watch other football for a few minutes, and I go home and usually sleep pretty good. But uh, For sure. um, But then you're on to the next thing, first thing the next morning, usually either before or after church. You're you're rolling into getting ready for what they're about.
0: Is it different uh, in your mind for the players, or do you try to make it that way? Because I know just conversations I've had with coaches before, uh, like Franklin Stevens used to be at Ware County. uh, Now he's up at McEacher in uh, in North Atlanta. He said basically he tells the players – uh, especially the seniors, you have a dollar and every game is a dime. And so you're this far in the season, you already have 40 cents laid down on the table and it, it goes by like that.
1: Yeah, it goes by quick. This, uh, this game this weekend will be at the midway point of the regular season. So, you know, you want them to enjoy it because it is hard to win. And, and I don't ever want, it, you know, that, that hasn't been something that's happened a lot here. And so you want to enjoy those. But, uh, you know, that's why we practice and we meet on Sundays to kind of get the win out of us and get on to the next thing. You know, when we lost to Valdosta State in the first week, we got an opportunity to come in here have a you know, a mental uh, reset and get ready for the next opponent, which they did a good job. So to me, it kind of helps purify you and get your, okay, now we got a new mission this week. It's like uh, Special Forces. We went and got uh, bin Laden. Now we get to go reset and go get somebody else.
0: There you go. Uh, after that Valdosta State loss to now, what did you identify as things you needed to improve and how many of those have you checked off?
1: Biggest thing was playing harder and then just, you know, when the mojo is not quite what you um, what you want it to be to find a way to fight through it. We still got a long, long way to go. Um, but, you know, just play hard. Offensively, we've played much better since that game. You know, although second half of the Morehouse, we didn't play very well. But uh, just play, play hard and just do a better job executing and finding a ways to win games rather than to lose them. Well, Coach, let's
0: dive into that Morehouse game again. You guys hop out to a big lead in this one, 20 to nothing there in the first quarter. As you mentioned, maybe not the best performance down the stretch, but your guys came out swinging there in the first quarter.
1: Yeah, you know, um, I, I thought they came out, played really well. Both sides of the ball defensively swarmed them, offensively scored po- a bunch of points. And anytime you can get up 20 to nothing in a quarter, you feel good about where the, the thing's headed. Um I, you know, obviously would have liked to finished it better in the second half, but uh, I thought going into halftime, you know, we missed one opportunity to go up 34 to nothing, which would have really kind of put the game away and we just let them hang around. But I was, I was really happy with the defense. They played hard all night. Um, You give up eight points and 160 yards on the total and they have minus 15 yards rushing with a cup with three turnovers. Usually that's a winning recipe. So we'll keep doing that. We'll have a chance regardless of the other phases, but you know, obviously they all tie in together and we gotta do a better job on all three phases. And, you know, I think you and I have talked about this, we have yet to play all in everybody play a complete game yet. So that's still the maddening thing about it. So just trying to figure out how we can get to that point.
0: And coach, uh just the two guys that we'd expect to do it were the ones who did it in the first quarter, Devon Gibbons and D'Angelo Durham getting it done. Uh D'Angelo had a couple touchdowns there. In the first quarter, seemed like he was able to find some space early.
1: He was, and uh, you know, really kind of was ripping and running, as we like to say. And and really, that we the guys had a really good plan. Coaches did a nice job. Got in some formations they didn't adjust, and we were able to just kind of rip them there for about a quarter and a half. Um, and D'Angelo was a big part of that. And then Devon hit some really nice runs, hit a couple of real nice passes, and uh, we're playing well. And like I said, it was kind of like I don't know what changed there, but we were we were on on a good roll there for quite a while and then kind of lost our way.
0: Well Nash Carter, we, we talked about it last week. Doesn't get a ton of touches, but when he does get them, he takes advantage of him. One reception, 60 yards, touchdown. It just it, it seems like that's becoming a consistent thing week after week.
1: He does a great job. He's a good player, uh, plays super hard. When you got the ball in his hands, you want to stand on your toes. You know something's gonna happen here. Um, and you know he's a big part of our success that we've had since he's been here you know he you know a lot of people know this, he beat a local guy out here who was a senior um and and really never looked back and became the guy as a true freshman and he's continued to do that as a sophomore now so man man's he does a great job he's a he's a fun guy to be around and he practices hard and uh, he's got a he's got some playmaker he's quick as all get out so enjoy having a chance to coach him and be around him he's a competitor Well,
0: Coach, there's not many times you look in a stat line and you see this, where you see that 60-yard touchdown, but it was a 10-play, five-minute drive that ended with a 60-yard touchdown.
1: Yeah, I was kind of interested how that all unfolded, but uh, you're glad to have points at the end of those, and you don't mind as a defensive coach when they grind some clock out. So it was a win-win-win, if you know what I mean.
0: Uh, Coach, again, you mentioned this, played really well in the first quarter, kind of slowed down a little bit in the second, and then it just kind of became a grind between the two two teams in the second half. How much was that of Morehouse adjusting versus just uh, a mindset from your team about trying to keep your foot down on the gas pedal?
1: Uh, You know, give them credit, man. They played hard. They came out in a whole new look in the second half and uh, really gave us some problems. We didn't block it right. We didn't hit the big plays that were there. Um, And then I think we let off too. So it was a combination of them doing a great job on their side. You don't want to... Downplay the efforts of your opponent. They never quit. Um, kudos to them. And then, uh, you know, I just felt like we just didn't really just have, we don't have that killer instinct right now. You know, we talk about Alabama, it's 30 to nothing at halftime. And then the next thing you know, it's 62 to nothing. And that's where we got to mature and continue to push. Um, we've got good enough players to do that. Not, it's not going to be that every week. But when you get in those kind of games where you got a sizable lead, is just extend it where everybody gets a chance to get in the game and. So trying to figure out what that formula is, I, I told the guys I took my halftime speech and burned it because it stunk. So um, <laughs> I felt like I was a general who gave bad orders and, and set them in the wrong direction in the battle plan in the second half. So took that one and burned it. Uh, we'll think of something new for this next one.
0: How do you approach that, though? How, how do you keep a team that has a ton of success going in the first half and, and keep them with that same, like you said, that killer instinct? Have you found a way or is that just something that's ongoing every year, every week with every team?
1: It's ongoing, you know, uh, we had a little bit older team in 19, we had a lot of older guys, so um, a little bit more mature, we got probably more talent with less maturity. So, you know, human nature says, hey, we're up 27, nothing, we're gonna, we're gonna blow these guys out. And he let off, you know, we're, you know, just developing that chemistry, that toughness, and, and really, you know, the scoreboard is irrelevant. Hey, every play, I'm gonna go and try to dominate somebody. And we're, we're not there yet. So I'm hoping we'll get there. Um, but we're not there yet, by any means.
0: Coach, defensively, you guys don't give up defensive points uh, until about six minutes into the fourth quarter. seemed like your guys were flying around and making plays on Saturday.
1: They were. They were. I was disappointed we gave up the points we did, but uh, I thought they played really well. Like I said, eight points in a game. In that landscape of college football, people are scoring 40, 50 points a game. So eight points against a conference opponent is pretty good. And, uh, you know, the big thing our guys did D-line – ruled the roost there and, and they didn't let them run the football and uh, made them pretty one dimensional. And that made it a lot easier to play defense and coach Sims and the defensive staff, they had a good game plan, did a nice job and, and got them to play well. And, uh, you know, so, and they did a lot of different junk and all week, our guys did a good job adjusting all the crazy formations. And then Saturday, it was pretty easy for them. They did a nice job with it. So I was happy with the way they played. And if they do that every week, we'll have an opportunity to win each game.
0: Again, 29 to 10 win there over Morehouse. Uh, the Tigers improve to 3-1 and on the season, 2-0 and inside of SEAC play. Got a big one coming up again this time on the road for the Tigers as they head up to Kentucky State. We'll dive into that, preview that game coming up next right here with Sean Quinn on ESPN Radio, Savannah. The Sean Quinn Show on ESPN Radio. Christian Gokel, pleased to be joined, as always, by the head football coach of the Savannah State Tigers, Sean Quinn, here on the Sean Quinn Show. Coach, you guys headed up to Frankfort, Kentucky, to take on Kentucky State. The thoroughbreds out of Kentucky State. Uh, you guys hitting the road for a road trip. Uh, what can you give us uh, on your travel plans and when you guys are going to be heading up?
1: Well, we're we're making a great adventure. It's like we're going to Wally World or something, but... Uh... We're leaving tomorrow and and headed up to uh, Asheville, spend the night, kind of cut the trip in half, stay up in Frankfort, Kentucky, practice along the way, and let our guys see a little bit of the country. We don't have the opportunity to fly like some of the bigger schools do. Um, So we we tried to, you know, 11 hours in a bus is hard to do in one day. So we tried to kind of cut that in half, and our administration helped work with us there to be able to get us out a day early, and it'll be good. We need to spend some time as a team together outside of here. Um, so I look forward to the trip I look forward to opportunity to fellowship with the guys and also go up and play a good football team that's playing really good right now. Um, you know, we got to just continue to prepare. We got, we have good practice this morning. We got to have a good practice tomorrow. And then, you know, it's a little bit, uh, like in the NFL when they go out to the West Coast going a day early. So for us, it's kind of the same thing. Um, but uh, we will be be fun. This will be our first hotel trip and first time we've stayed overnight. So you enjoy those because you get a chance to kind of spend some time with the players outside of the trap of school and your normal practice environment.
0: Well, Coach, one uh, opponent that you guys have both faced, Benedict College, they won 34-28 to 28 this past Saturday over them. And I don't know how big of a fan you are of the transitive factor when it comes to teams uh, playing comparable opponents there. But just for fans out there, how, how good are the Thoroughbreds?
1: Very good. I think right now they're probably playing the best on that side. Um, they ran for 450, 450 yards Saturday. They're true triple option Army Citadel stuff, um, true under center. They do a good job. You know, I think they won seven games in 19. So they were a good football team. They've got a great two great running backs. Uh, they do a nice job. They're very well coached. Um, you know, it's a tough draw. I told our guys. You know, we feel like we're a good football team on our side, and it's like being the SEC where the West, you go, got to go play one of the preeminent teams over there. It would be like playing an LSU or a Texas A&M on the other side. So, you know, uh, comparatively, they're really good. Um, It'll be a big challenge not only to win the game, but just to stay in the game and be competitive because, I mean, they played offensively on Saturday. They were outstanding, and, uh, you know, Benedict played hard, but they had trouble stopping them. They just really kind of ran through them. Hey
0: coach, you kind of brought it up there. They are the, the Jeff Munkin, Paul Johnson style where they're under center that you're going to have a lot of cut blocks. Uh, you're going to have a lot of and pools from those guys on the inside. A lot of stuff that we're kind of seeing for the most part, get phased out of the game a little bit specifically on the offensive line. Cause we'll still see some of the same schemes from the shotgun and from the pistol. But I mean, when it comes to the line of scrimmage, you don't see this style of attack unless you're playing this style of offense.
1: No, it's very rare. Um, I, you know, I was talking to the staff, my, as a college football coach, coaching major college football in the, in the sec and Sunbelt, I think it was in high school. Also, I think it was my seventh or eighth year before I ever even saw this offense, very few teams run it. So they could do a good job. It, it's not only hard. Cause you rarely see it, but then also somebody that does it very well. You know, some people run it and not be very good. They're good at it. And, uh, like I said, very well coached, got a lot of respect for the way they play and, um, they kind of do what we do. They try to play good defense and run the football and that's kind of what we try to do too. Um, so be a big challenge and uh, this week's been a challenge in of itself and uh, so we've had good practices we just got to keep getting ready and uh, go lay it out in the line on Saturday and find a way to win it.
0: So for a fan out there that's like, hey, the, the Tigers run the triple option. They they should see this every day in practice. It's a complete 180 almost from what you guys run in practice and I, I don't want to sound like the, the purest guy, but Triple Option is a play. It's not an offense. And so it's it's two almost completely different styles of attack.
1: Yeah, it's like saying Metallica and um Hall & Oates. I, yeah, Hall & Oates are both rock and roll. One's soft rock, and one's hard rock, you right. know, heavy metal. So they're they're in that same genre but they're totally different. So, you know, they do like I said, they're uh I don't miss not seeing it to be yeah. honest with you. So when that schedule came out, I was like, you know, I I you know, option teams are an adventure. Let's leave it at that. So, you know, I, I would much rather see non-option teams. So, it's a challenge. Um, I'm glad that I was in those systems and a lot of components of what they do, we do, um, but it's different. And but they do a good job, then, and they are the probably the best team at doing what they do that I've seen in Division Two um, with that style of offense. I hadn't really seen anybody else that could run it as effectively as they do.
0: Yeah, just for comparison's sake, I know back when Paul Johnson was at Georgia Tech. Uh, the Clemsons of the Worlds and the Georges of the worlds throughout the season would have separate portions of practices throughout the week where they specifically worked on trying to defend that offense because they knew they had to face it every year. And it's just it's so different from what you see every week. But it will be interesting to see that. What are you having to talk to specifically uh, your defensive linemen about about how they're going to be attacked?
1: Just, you know, they come off low. They're in four-point stances. Um, They play a different pad level, very much like what we did at Southern uh, when I was at Georgia Southern. And so um, just this different style, um, and and they do a good job. And the fullback is a really, really good player. You know, a lot of times people run the triple and their fullback's just kind of a guy. Their guy is a legit – in fact, they've got two that are special players and probably the two best big backs in our league, and uh, they just do a good job pounding the football – And they got coaches um, that really know the offense and have been doing it for a long time. So you're not going to trick them. You got to play good, solid fundamentals, and uh, we got to win up front. And you got to beat blocks, and you got to tackle. It's you know, it's the old uh, you go to coaches clinic. I'm going to sound like I'm talking at a coaches clinic. I love it. So kind of what you got to do. It's there's nothing fancy about it.
0: And uh, I know games like this for linebackers can be fun because it's just about filling the hole and hitting somebody. But uh, for your corners and for some of the safeties that are going to have to be playing all of a sudden they're having to run the alleys and they're having to set the edge and they're having to all of a sudden get nasty with the fullbacks and the running backs
1: yeah and it's uh we've been we've been live in practices week we cut and do all the you know it's it's going to be uh I don't bring the work boots so that's good i mean that's the way football's yeah. supposed to be played i'm not i'm not one of those folks that's like no we should outlaw that stuff i think you know we've went away from football a little bit where it's not it's a physical game. It's um, and I'm all for you know. I think what they do is is really good stuff. In fact, I wish we did more of it personally. So um, it's a challenge. And uh, I hadn't slept very much, as you can probably tell. I don't look my normal 22, but I probably look like I'm 26 today. But they look uh, great. Yeah, right. So, yeah, but uh, you know, doing doing good with that, and uh, so uh, just excited to get another opportunity to play and keep finding a way. That's you know, it's been our theme, and you know that's what we got to do this week.
0: Again, that one coming up at 1 p.m. on Saturday as Savannah State heads up to Frankfort, Kentucky uh, to take on the Thoroughbreds there. I'm glad you kind of mentioned going away from football because I did have a question I wanted to ask you. We also had, I thought, a really good mailbag question uh, that we got emailed. So I want to take a break. We'll come back. We'll dive into that next right here on The Sean Quinn Show. The Sean Quinn Show on ESPN Radio. This is the Sean Quinn Show right here on ESPN Radio. Savannah, Christian Gokel alongside Sean Quinn talking Savannah State Tigers football. Uh, and coach, towards the end of that last segment there, you kind of mentioned sometimes you feel like we're getting away from football. Tom Brady obviously making the, the rounds this week as he's heading back to Foxborough for the first time uh, to take on the New England Patriots. And he was talking about how the game has changed since he's been in the league where he said he, when he used to play Ray Lewis, it was his responsibility not to get his receivers decapitated over the middle more so than the, re, or the official's responsibility to protect the player from Ray Lewis. I thought that was a really interesting quote from Tom Brady saying how even his approach to the game has changed because of officiating before when a Danny Amendola or a Wes Welkers all of five eight going over the middle. Maybe I'm not going to throw him that slant pass when Ray Lewis is sitting right there.
1: Yeah, you know, and you wonder how less many less concussions Welker would have had playing today right. versus even six or seven years whenever he retired. So obviously I think that's why maybe the quarterbacks play a little longer now because they don't get hit nearly as much. Uh, you know, I, I saw Tom get hit a couple times the other day in the game, and that felt like to me the first time I'd seen him been hit in a year. Um, so, you know, games change, and it's about protecting the players, which I get. You know, to me, the targeting one is – in our profession, we have a, as coaches, we have a huge problem with a guy being dismissed for targeting. I think that's a silly, yeah. silly, silly rule. I think it should be a 15 yard flag. And if you get two, okay. But one, there's no business throwing a kid out. I've seen guys that were seniors on senior day and the first kickoff. I think I was watching a Clemson game. A guy got a targeting call and he was kicked out of the game like he was a criminal or something, you know? And it just, it was disappointing that, that that's the rule. And I, 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 I just, it makes me, it bothers me to know in that that's, that you're automatically ejected for targeting. You ought to have a chance to um, get another one, be a penalty, just like anything else, rough the pass or whatever it might be. So
0: Yeah, you say do it like they do in the NFL where you get a targeting, it's 15 yards and we're moving on.
1: Yep, exactly. Okay. And, and, you know, Now the NFL's got, to me, a, the, the silliest rule they've got is personal infer- and a PI can be spot right. of a foul. So yeah. if it's a yard bomb, I think that's a bad – that's – it should be 15 yards and you move on to the next play, you know? So I just, I never, I never thought that was a good rule either, but you know, I'm not in the NFL, so I have sure. no say in that one.
0: And then coach, uh, obviously I know you like to go week by week. You don't want to look too far out into the season, but we did have a question from Michael uh, and he said he started following the team this year. He's moved here from, I don't want to get this wrong. Hoboken. He moved to Savannah from Hoboken. He's been following the team. He wants to know how the playoff system works at your level of football.
1: Well, there's teams that have automatic qualifiers and there's team conferences that have an AQ, which is an automatic qualifier. Some leagues don't. We don't. um, But they have basically um, usually the team that wins our conference will have been put in position to be a playoff team based on rankings, your regional rankings. If you're in 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 the exact formula, I'm not quite sure. But basically is winning your conference gives you a pretty good opportunity to get in the playoffs. They just basically – you know, SIAC, the team that's won it has been in the playoffs pretty much every year. And we play a championship game between the East and the West. Um, and obviously, you got to win the East before you even worry about that. So, and we're a long way from that. And as every other team, that's, I'm sure every team on our side, their goal is to win the East and then go from there. So, um, but some of the leagues have an automatic qualifier. So the champion of the league goes automatically. We don't, but um, we're, we'd be at large. Um, but, you know, right now for our league, you know, the team that wins the whole thing, once they play in East and West, they kind of put themselves in position. Um, some of the leagues do a good job, you know, I wish we played an extra game and didn't have the conference championship game because I think you'd have more teams with better records. You'd have more teams in the playoffs, but that's just my opinion. Um, you know, usually only get one in the SIC and versus, you know, the Gulf South get two in there, maybe more, but um, because they, you know, teams have got eight or nine wins. Sure. Um, because they play that extra game across the board, so, um, but it's based on the best teams in that area. are I think four regions: north, south, east, west, and they. I think it's four teams in each region, or four or eight. I can't remember because you know, obviously, we've never been in it. So, um, but the playoffs basically, you win your league. That's your best chance to get in.
0: There you go. And again, Savannah State with another big game coming up this Saturday as they head up to Frankfurt to take on the thoroughbreds there in that triple option. Attack, Coach, we appreciate the time, and I had so many more questions for you, but we're running out of time. Uh, I want to ask you about Soldier Field. We'll save that for next week, because it sounds like Man, the Bears... They need to
1: keep the Bears there. Bears yeah. better not leave. It sounds Early like they're Austin's looking at building a new stadium, right now, so we'll, we'll
0: get your full opinion on that next week. Right. But, Coach, we appreciate the time, as always. Good luck and safe travels on the trip.
1: Thanks, brother. Go Tigers. We'll see you soon.